Is this why kids had to climb ropes in gym class? Greetings and salutations and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. Want to see a magic trick? If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack. A total joke, a waste of time. Or a slash. Totally killer, pun intended. We believe horror is for everyone and as such we're rating these movies with the perspective we've gained from our varying walks of life and the flavors of fear we fancy most. My name is Chris, I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast and this week I'm joined by the Superfly Space Guy, Mac. Hello everyone. Now, we've just gotten back from the theaters from checking out a newly released film in which a young boy fights for his life after an abduction, but he does so with a little help from his friends. This week, we're talking about the black phone. What were you expecting going into this one, Mac? Well, I couldn't tell based on the trailer, like what I was going to get into. I was thinking this could be like a seven-ish kind of film, but for like kids or maybe like a family-friendly-ish like Stir of Echoes vibe. I wasn't sure. Our rating was a good sign though. So I thought maybe we'll get some dark grungy stuff with Ethan Hawke's character's mask. I was getting major like Purge and Strangers vibes. So it was really kind of hard to tell what was in store. Purge and Stranger vibes are such a good way to describe this. And it's one of those where I feel like it's pretty straightforward from the trailers. Did you watch trailers before going into it? I, I did. I remember seeing the trailers for probably the last month. I saw like the latest ones that they have out. But whenever they first hit, I saw it and I was like, huh. Yeah, I remember seeing the trailer the first time ahead of a movie that we watched for the podcast. And I never really cared to look more into it because I was already sold on the premise, right? I, I knew this was one that even just what you see within it, it's like, all right, my interest is peaked. I'm down. I don't want to know anymore. But I did wonder how much more there could possibly be towards it not because they spoil so much but because it's a pretty simple concept and there's a little bit of a twist and then that twist gets provided now i think there are some things not in the trailer that get added and i know it it caused some reactions in my theater a hundred percent but i think this movie gave me the expectation of like the promise of pain and then that promise gets fulfilled, right? It's one of those where I felt tense in a lot of moments, not surprised. You know what I mean? It was one of those like I, I, I kind of predicted what was coming up along the way, but it still did this really great job of setting in a, a really sinister, creepy feeling where my skin was crawling a little bit, even if I knew what was going to happen. This is what makes me hate that I saw the trailer because my interest was peaked seeing the trailer. I was down just on just on seeing it. Uh, but so much was shown that even going into the movie, even before the, like it started rolling, I'd already pieced together the story in my head. So that's kind of detrimental for me because that's what I do anyway when I'm watching a movie. And that ruins a little bit. So I think I had to just like let go of that and just let the story happen. And we get so many, like you mentioned, these other things that help build the story. So who cares if I have the structure right? Um, there's these other characters, these other like devices that are in play that still kept it really interesting and, and very tense along the way. Yeah, one of the things that made it most tense was just Ethan Hawke as a presence. And I've heard so much leading up to this about how he just delivers in this movie. And I was like, I mean, I don't hate Ethan Hawke. You know what I mean? Like, he's fine. But I've never been super crazy about Ethan Hawke. I mean, I enjoyed The Purge. I may have shared some of my thoughts on him in the past, but he was in Sinister and I wasn't really crazy about that. That sounds sacrilegious on a horror movie podcast, but I didn't go into this thinking, oh my God, it's Ethan Hawke. It's going to be amazing. Man, 
he was such a critical piece of discomfort in this movie. And I will say that with what we know happens in this movie, right? This is the story of a child being abducted and he's fighting for his life. Think about what's happening in current events and think about what has continued to happen and what has persisted for decades in our country. It's one of those where if you are feeling particularly raw about children, I think maybe hold off a little bit because there are moments when I for sure cried. Like I was tearing up in the theater, not because this movie was... I think trying to beat you over the head with being sad, like it, it definitely has those like, oh man, look at life extinguished moments. But because I had already had so much of that on my mind, I carried that into the the watch and I probably shouldn't have. I am curious, you know, after everything's out and this is in theaters for a while and we get some interviews, I'm curious if they had to really cut stuff out to match the zeitgeist because if they had gone darker if they had shown some more than they did i think it could have been really raw for some people it seems well planned the way everything's done it seems like very deliberate but i also i can see like where they could have squeezed more in if they had wanted to go that route i was slightly disappointed with the fact that it wasn't nearly as dark as I had hoped. And that was an expectations thing, right? Because I see R rating and Ethan Hawke's performance. And I don't know if it's like as intense as it could be. It's not Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. You know, it's not Heath Ledger as the Joker. It's not our boy Art the Clown or anything like that, right? So it doesn't have to be completely insane, but it is an unnerving performance. It does make you sweat a little bit and not want to be around that human if they were real. But I, I was surprised. I, I don't, maybe disappointed isn't the right, the right word for it. I was surprised that it didn't show us more. It didn't go like bloodier and, and grosser, you know, even not with kids because, you know, sick, twisted people can hurt adults and stuff like that too. But I was actually kind of shocked that that didn't go further. Yeah. This is one where you said it has an R rating and I didn't even think about that. This isn't a movie that felt like an R rating. It is violent. It is gruesome. There is some gore in this movie. Don't get me wrong, but I guess so much of it is like you consider what the R-rated experience feels like in more adult films. You know, I'm thinking about X from 2022, right? Like, how is this movie and X rated the same fucking thing? I don't know. It didn't feel like that to me. Now, what was a surprise, not in terms of plot, but in terms of quality, was the performances of the child actors in this movie. There's like one or two moments where I was like, all right, I'm not buying this. Particularly, there are two different children that we see cry. And one of them was so raw and so painful and so emotional. And the other, I was like, all right, you're done. Like we can move, we can move beyond this moment. I get it. It makes sense that you're crying right now. I'm just not particularly sold on this moment in time in this performance. But aside from that, it was overall a really solid, compelling time watching these kids. And I felt so much for them, which I wasn't expecting to beyond what was obvious about the plot. Those kids did a great job. And that one scene with the crying that you talked about, if you haven't seen the movie yet and you're just listening to the first half here, you know, it's not it's not such a big deal that you're gonna want to look look away or anything, but it does feel legit. It feels like a real crying scene. It feels like you as a child seeing another child go through something and you wish you could stop it, but you can't. Like it was so good. And they did they did a good job at some stuff. I mean the nature of this movie is a bit is a bit weird. It's a bit spooky, and I like that. As I said earlier, it doesn't go as dark as I thought it would, right? But it doesn't need to. It still works out. It's not scary to me because of that. I think, though, that this will trigger you if you have any concern 
for child welfare. And you might not be scared of the antagonist in this film, like personally, but this kind of stuff is out there. And when you watch this, like you're definitely going to be looking around while you drive home and you're going to be like checking out the cars and seeing where they're going. Are they following me? I don't know. Does it seem like I'm following them? Like, is everybody just scared of everybody? Yeah, that's really your point. I think to be fair, this is also going to be very triggering if you have any history with abuse. Mm. And that's something that I think you should mentally prepare yourself with, even if I think you're adequately uh, coping with it if it's something that you think you, you move past i would just pre- mentally prepare yourself because even aside from the obvious premise of this film there's a layer of that that i did not know was coming and i don't have a personal connection to that but it was very emotional to watch that moment unfold on screen but you brought up this interesting point of it's going to last with you and make you think like and am, am is someone following me? Am I being followed? I was even driving my car on the way back and I was pulling in, you know, slowing down to pull into my yard and there was a woman walking on the sidewalk and I have like this black SUV and I'm like, oh wow, I really hope she doesn't think that I just am just chilling here waiting for her to let her guard down so I could snatch it, right? It just felt so bad. And I was like, I feel like I just need to like wait for a little while and just let her get far out of way before I even open my door and scare somebody off. Yeah. And oddly enough, as I left the theater, I was walking out and the mother and two daughters that sat next to me um, walked out before me and headed the exact same way to their car that I did. They were literally like two cars down for me. I'm like, man, after watching that movie, I'm not going to make eye contact. I'm just going to get my car and drive away first so that they know that I'm not a creep that's following them. But I think that would like definitely make some people feel some ways, like especially if you have kids or if you have like little brothers or sisters hanging around, like you might not be, you know, scared for yourself. But I, I think anytime we watch this kind of subject matter, it's going to make you just really like extra concerned. You're going to lock those locks even tighter. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we said it earlier, this movie is really, really tense. I think there isn't much in there that's super scary aside from a few moments where they frame shots in a particular way that's like, obviously, you're expecting something to be lurking in the background. But what it does is get you to invest emotionally in these characters where you are frightened on their behalf, not necessarily scared of the movie, which I think makes it really effective. And I think this is one of those that I have not really experienced a movie quite like this. I've seen a lot of sad movies, seen some kid horror movies, but looking at even the concept of this and looking at how survivors and even those who didn't make it, how are they thought of? How are they memorialized? How are they avenged, so to speak? And are they ever? And looking at when tragedies like this happen, how does that impact a community? How does that impact each individual family? And you kind of get to see these interesting moments of it's getting closer and closer and closer to home, but people never really feel like it's home until it's actually happening in your home, right? And I think we see some interesting character changes through that. And I feel like this was a really unique experience to watch. While watching this, though, in my mind, I'm thinking like all of the pieces that go into a story. I'm thinking of some elements and I, I have a link for you there, but storytelling devices. And at, at the very end, like there's a couple that, you know, they, that they don't use because it's a, it's a movie and it's not a TV show. If it's a TV show. They would be like, you know, we've got a checklist, go off on the formula, make sure we got a cliffhanger, right? Episode one, keep them, keep them coming. But if you think about it, like Chekhov's gun, a hundred percent, like major use of Chekhov's gun, uh, death trap. Absolutely. Um, Deus Ex Machina, a thousand percent that's even revealed in the trailers and the movies 
unique deus ex machina we've seen things like it but it really saves the movie it makes it seem more like a fresh take on ideas that we've seen in other places i mean yes it's got flashbacks yes it has foreshadowing it's got a race against time it's got a lot going on i think one thing thankfully that we did not get was any kind of red herring and that's not really a spoiler the trailer shows you what's up you know who's who going into this which is nice but they have all the elements there and they could have been checking it off as they wrote it um, but it is done so kind of skillfully it just comes across as like a well-built story and so yes we've seen people getting abducted we've seen scary people with masks on we've seen being locked in the basement or being locked in a room or being locked in some kind of prison cell thing Sure, we've seen all of that, but not exactly like this. And they did it in a, in a good way to where I think, you know, watching this thing, like you're not bored at all because sure, you've seen things like this. You've seen seven, right? And so you know what creepy dudes who can like pick people up, you know what they, you know what they look like. We've seen how they play out. We've seen it. So we know like threats to children look like, but there's something about this film where they're able to put things together, make it seem unique even make their antagonists seem pretty unique. And when you look at it on like like a granular level, sure, it's not that unique. It's not that original, but it's put together in, in such a way that I think it makes a really compelling story. Yeah, this movie is the sum of its parts and the parts are quality. And, and I think it's one of those movies, you, as you go through that checklist of like storytelling elements, this is a movie that is put together, I think, pretty well. And I think back to being in school and like studying film and there are so many movies that they have you break down and generally from the 90s and earlier. But this is a movie that I think does that in such an effective way that's easy to understand that it'd be a good textbook example for people to learn from. You know what I mean? So I don't I don't think of like, you know, the checklist items being a fault of the movie. I see it as being an actual strength because it's simple and it's effective, much like I think its ending is. It certainly leads you up to a moment and it lets you linger in that moment for a little while. And there are feelings that get felt. I won't obviously give more than that, but I found the ending to be satisfying. I think there's some parallels, like really small parallels, but there's some parallels to when you're watching Silence of the Lambs, when you're watching this ending and you're like headed towards this conclusion and you're not exactly sure how it's going to play out. You think you know how it's going to play out, but they tried to at least make you work for it to get to the ending. So it ended up feeling very satisfying to me that, yes, I could see this going one of two ways. And I'm pretty sure based on the rest of the movie, I know which way it's going to go, but whatever, they're going to make you sweat it out. They're going to make you enjoy it and, and make you like get through the minutes to get to the ending. And it's, it's a good, it's a good way to wrap up. I don't want to spoil from there. Like, what actually happens in the ending, of course, but I think that the, the way they conclude it was really satisfying. I mean, it sounds like you and I are on a similar page of this movie being pretty effective, but we'll see how that translates into its actual rating, because even if it is effective, it doesn't necessarily mean it's particular to one of our tastes. So let's go ahead and start making our way there, Mac. Now, before we dive into those ratings, how many people died in this film? Okay, we're going to count on-screen deaths here. That gives us a whopping two. What about the animal report? It got kind of questionable for a minute because there was a couple places where this could have gone badly, but thankfully it ended up all good in the hood. Let's go ahead and get into the actual scoring here. The Black Phone from 2022, now showing in theaters. 
Was it a hacker slash? So we haven't had much time to think about it. Obviously, we just got out of the movie. So we're going with gut reactions here. And walking out of the film, I already knew that this was a slash. This has a solid story. It's got good enough acting. It's got, honestly, it's got the right amount of gore for this movie. And you and I are kind of similar in that we don't need a ton of gore for a movie to be great. But it's got the right amount, I think, for this film. Um, I, I enjoyed it. You know, I like thrillers. I like tension. I don't need people being sawed in half from top to bottom. No hot dog cuts necessary to please this guy. I just need something character driven. And I think this movie is very character driven. You mentioned earlier that you really got to feel what's going on in the community and with the families. I mean, they highlighted that, I think, very deliberately. And we got to have a feeling of what it would be like to see everyone else's kid on the milk carton except for yours. And then suddenly yours is on the milk carton. But we got to see it from the kid's point of view which was very different from what we normally get. I just enjoyed it. I think it was a good watch. I think this is one of those that you can watch alone as an adult in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, but you can sit there and watch this probably with a 13-year-old and feel pretty good about what they're going to see on screen. So yeah, all in all, slash. You know what is fun for me, Mac? This movie is fun for all ages, which is wild to think. This R-rated horror movie with someone as spooky as Ethan Hawke's performance in this movie is one that I would absolutely watch with my niece and nephews. It's one that I think also lends itself well to being a transitionary piece into horror. This feels very psychological thriller, even though it's not. This feels very outskirts of horror, even though it has some really strong, clear, present elements. And I think it's the simplicity of this story that really creates this opportunity to bring people into the genre. And I think, you know, looking into the theater that I was in, you had some of these reactions like, oh, you fucking idiot. Like, there are people who just didn't seem to really care for horror movies very much and it felt like this movie was making new fans and this is absolutely a slash it's effective it's simple and at the end of the day it has stellar performances by child actors which is a very easy place to go very very wrong but this movie didn't and with that the black phone from 2022 now showing in theaters is a universal slash now it's just the two of us we'll see where our friends end up on the scoring when they eventually see it but for now go check it out in theaters then join us in the second half so we can break down the spoilers together see you in a bit Cell is the leading carrier among the recently departed, with proven coverage between realms. 5G just got real, with the widest coverage in this world and beyond. No family, no problem. SpectreCell offers referral discounts for bringing your friends down with you. The more people you doom, the lower your rate. Why pay $1,200 for a new cell phone, when you can instead possess any device that used to make calls, no matter the condition? Seriously, any old unused receiver will work just fine, because we're truly wireless. Act now and take advantage of our new customer special, which offers one gigabyte of data for all your phantom needs, unlimited nights and weekends, and reduced roaming rates for basement phone calls. SpectreCell, finding new ways to save beyond the grave. Welcome back, folks. You are now entering the spoiler zone for The Black Phone, which has earned a universal slash. Now, we have a lot to get to here, but before we get into the specifics on why Mac and I love this movie, we have the matter of gore to get to. Mac, what's the gore score for this film? I would call this low, but I would call it appropriately low. I think it makes sense for the subject matter. 
when we're dealing with kids, violence towards kids, I don't want gore. And I think the gore that we do get is generally towards the adults in the film, which I also think was appropriate. Absolutely agreed there. I'm someone who can really thrive in a low gore environment, but I will say there are these jarring and shocking moments, right? Like the first time we see some of the ghosts in the room and you see what happened to these kids. That felt bad to me. Not in a negative way, not in a, wow, I wish they hadn't done this way. Wow, how dare you go so far kind of way. But in a, damn, y'all know how to hit me in my heart kind of way. And we do get a shot of one of the ghosts who's like like suspended and, and is basically a bloodied corpse at that point. And that was pretty much like the most I think we get in terms of like gore on the kids or towards the kids, which was still okay in the amount that we get. Um, but I think there's just the implication of damage. There's the implication because we know these kids are dead. They're ghosts. And he took his time. They tell us he took his time killing some of them. So I think that like the implication was enough to to really show like what they had to go through. And I think looking around the room like that was enough. I think we still get a little gore towards the grabber, which was good. We get the gore uh, on the arm when he gets sliced with the little flashlight thing. Like that was a good little little gash in the arm. Um, I think the, we get the really bad CGI'd axe through the head. So that was pretty gory. I was concerned about the idea of potentially gore towards, you know, the dog. I didn't want any violence to happen to that dog, no matter how scary he is. Thankfully, we avoided that. And he just got some meat like a good boy. Yeah, I was so scared about him and the golden retriever that we have earlier in the film who belongs to the paper boy. I was so scared. And that little dog was so happy sitting there and by that bike being a good old boy thinking he's going to get his he's gonna get his best friend back someday (laughs) he never came back no my heart is broken for that fucking dog mac hopefully he's got other friends at home to kind of make up for it he's going to be depressed for quite a long time though yeah i mean the implication that the dogs were going to be hurt was was so much but then when you realize okay thank goodness but going back to gore i think the final bit of gore that we get is towards the grabber So we get not even blood though. We just get violence. We just get, you know, taking him out, but there's not, there's a broken ankle and and that was appropriate. Again, once again, it was, it was an appropriate amount of violence towards an adult, but there wasn't really a lot of blood splatter. There wasn't, you know, there's no heads exploding or coming off or anything like that. So I think, you know, I generally agree that the lower the gore, the better. Um, we do get some and I think it was effective because it was just some. Yeah. You mentioned the, poorly cgi'd axe through the head and first off let me tell you how sad i was to see my boy from it go that way Mm. i was so happy to see him on screen i thought he brought such like an energy and light and this great source of comedy to the film but when he gets that axe through the head and you know it's coming because it's like there's no way he's gonna help fucking rescue that we have too long left in this movie for it to go down this path when he got that axe through the head i was reminded of fear street when we have those kills in the grocery store yep yep the bread slicer Mm. great moment he was my favorite kill as much as that makes me sad i think the satisfaction from the grabber is amazing the arm is mint right but i think seeing max go that way in such like a classic horror movie kind of kind of roundabout way felt really good to me it's tough because they set you up a little bit they give you a little bit of foreshadowing potentially when they interview him and he he talks about like you know i'm just like here and my brother lives here but i'm like i'm just here for you know for this or whatever and my mind of course went there like maybe the dude's his brother but then the shots where we just see him like sitting in a chair 
and we don't know that they're brothers yet. I'm like, oh, okay. They're just, they're trying to give us a red herring. So I was wrong earlier. They gave us a red herring, just not the way we would think. Yeah. Look at that textbook. It's perfect. Yeah. And there's a moment where obviously he's first being interviewed. He knows this line of cocaine and we have the camera transition downstairs into the basement. And I found that to be so obvious that I was like, is this a literal transition or a literary transition? You know what I mean? It it was like trying to discern between those two things and keeping you open to either possibility. But looking back on it, I don't know how I feel about that reveal happening that early. Yeah. And and I think maybe it's on purpose. Let's give them more credit. Maybe, you know, maybe they don't deserve the credit. But I think we all have the same thought when it when that camera pans and it goes down and it shows the kid. I was like, well, that doesn't make sense sense he can't be right beneath them or otherwise like he would know right so obviously they're just trying to draw our attention away and make it seem like something something even though it's not there maybe it's just my brain doing this but no in the end they literally just told us they just showed us right up front like yeah this is reality happening i i didn't love that kill it wasn't my favorite of the two kills that we do get um mine was the grabbers and any time that you can you know take a child and lock them up like this you can't just you can't just get caught by the police. So the fact that we break his ankle, fantastic. Uh, that was so satisfying. And he falls into the pit, hits the grate. Everything's coming together. All those Chekhov's guns all along the way, adding up to the end. Oh, you mean all the Macaulay Culkins? Indeed, Home Alones. He Home Aloneed his ass. <laughs> he kind of did with the with the help of some friends. He got by with a little help from his friends, and they set up the perfect sequence of events, even though the kid didn't realize it at first. It just worked out beautifully. But I think there was still that potential that he could overpower him at that point. I mean, we don't know which way this movie is going to end up. Like, maybe he'll just be another ghost trying to save the next kid. Maybe the next kid will be his sister. But when he falls in that pit, breaks his ankle, and it's like, oh, it's game over. There's no way he's getting up from this. And everything just falls into place. I mean, we know the freezer's back there. We know it's got meat in it. We know the dog is tied up on the other side of the wall. So this this is game over for this dude, and he is not getting up from this. And that's what made it satisfying, is that it all just fell into place so perfectly. I would agree with that. I think the the dominoes falling created like this really great momentum of just like, fuck yeah, Finn, let's go. But one thing that I was expecting him to do, and I was surprised he didn't, was grab the fucking porcelain from the toilet, like the, the back of it, and just yep. knock him the fuck out. What are you doing, Finn? I feel like that would have been a better weapon. You've already dug so hard into that wall that it was then a jagged piece at the end. He could have really just like severed an artery with that. I was really surprised he didn't do that because he's there and he's exposed and we already know that he knows how to take the porcelain top of it off. Why on earth was that not his weapon? It probably would have been over way too fast, I think. Maybe that's why they didn't go that route. But like he had to punch him a little bit. He had to like work up the nerve to like punch another human being, maybe. Yeah, and the poetic justice would not have been sweet if that man wasn't killed with his own fucking phone. <laughs> This movie obviously is packed with a lot of things, right? It's packed with so much emotion. It's packed with misdirection, but it's also laced with really great cinematography. And there are so many standout moments for me. But one of the things I thought was interesting, and I'm still a little on the fence about it. We see all these home videos and then you realize they're not home videos. They're Gwen's dreams. And she's seeing life through like the the style of home video. And that could have just been a style choice. It could have just been a moment where they want to apply a certain feel because of the age of the movie setting. But when we realize that it's a dream and not just pulling your heartstrings emotionally to think about these kids, I was like, okay, all right, I'm not mad at it. I respect that. 
I think there was a lot to look at here and I couldn't get away from the lighting because the lighting was so, it was so different. Like those shots were cool. Like they definitely gave me ghostly, dreamy, apparition kind of feelings like she's in another world she's receiving you know from from another plane or something like that and i think it was really effective i think the choice to make it seem like home videos was was pretty smart that was kind of a cool little touch there the entire look of the film though did not feel like a 2022 film and that was so perfect but the lighting though the lighting was so hardcore because it reminded me of atlanta i don't know if you've seen like clips from the tv show atlanta but they do these really cool things with lighting where they'll just use the natural lighting of a room or from the, you know, literally like the lights coming in from the outside into a house or something where they'll just kind of roll with having one light source and seeing how that looks on different subjects. And I loved that in, in scenes I've seen. So watching this, they did it in a way that like, it seemed like low light, but it made it seem to me more like we're trying to capture natural light. So not quite documentary style, but definitely like we're trying to capture the feeling of like this visceral world we're in where like everything could potentially hurt. Yeah, it's because nothing feels artificial and it doesn't feel like a set. It doesn't feel like you're in a production. It feels like you're trapped in this basement with this kid, which was so fucking great. But one of the things I even love in addition to that, right, and is how the light plays with his masks, his many masks. He has the bottom pieces, the top pieces. I I love the fact that there's a point where he's testing Finn and he's asking him what his name is and he's like playing this game of I'll let you go and he emerges from the shadow after he knows that Finn has lied to him and he has his disappointed mask on and there's something so sinister about this mask and its many faces and I I say that not as a pun with Ethan Hawke in his previous films but the lighting accentuated that so perfectly and i don't think you could have lit this movie any differently and made that mask as scary yeah they did some just like really amazing stuff with that i mean even when he's sitting in the chair with his masks or he's got the top piece during the end scene where it's finally going to reveal his his actual mouth again we got to see his full face earlier on but i think the use of those masks was really cool i think the shadow was brilliant in the actual room where we're seeing the ghosts and stuff it was just kind of like very dark and they would get like some subtle lighting on the ghosts and it was effective. I don't think it was anything like super duper cool, but I I think it was like everything's at a baseline of good. And then we have some scenes that are like, Oh wow, that's like really smart to do it that way. I think my favorite scene though, wasn't even in the house. My favorite scene was the fight with the sister hitting the kid with the rock upside the head. When she runs in there cursing at them, wow. Oh my gosh. So look, Gwen had some standout moments for sure. First, cursing out the cops in the office. Second, when the rock is grabbed, I don't know about you, Mac, but I had this assumption and a lot of other people in my theater had the assumption that it was one of the guys about to just like destroy Finn with a rock. Mm -hmm. And obviously he hasn't been kidnapped yet, right? So it's not possible for that to be the case. We see what he's like in the trailers. But when it was her... I got Princess Leia energy. And maybe that's just me watching so much of a particular Star Wars show right now. <laughs> maybe that's just me dreaming of Carrie Fisher all the time. But I got big Carrie Fisher energy from her. And I was so fucking proud of it. The best part, I think, about that is that she, we've seen her be vulnerable. We've seen what happens when her dad is beating her. And she like has no way of getting out of that. But when we get those scenes, though, where she like lights up and doesn't take anyone's crap. It's, it's fantastic. And the scene where she's talking to the police is great. First of all, her use of curse words is 
the best in this entire film. I, I'm actually curious if this movie is R because of her cursing, because there's so much of it and it's so well done. But um, I, I'm curious which scene really stuck with you because there were so many. Oh my gosh. So obviously that one was a standout because of the duality of her character, which we'll get to in a bit. My favorite scene though was the moment of tension that we have when Finn for the first time is messing with the bike lock on the storm door. And there's particularly a shot that I loved so much. And it wasn't just the tension of going back and forth between the two of them and like the actual cuts between them. It is a a shot that made this moment and it was the rack focus. When we see Finn messing with the lock and it shifts the focus without changing the composition or anything like that, we just focus in on the grabber in the background and then shift focus right back. That is such a beautiful moment and it's one where we have the tension of cutting but the cutting is a problem because things happen in threes and when you start to do those cuts you start to mess up pacing and i know i I keep bringing up sinister and ethan hawk that movie is famously listed as one of the scariest movies of all time because of like people's heart rates and how they respond to it but it's because that movie disrupts patterns because it elongates certain moments and then fucking hits you with something violent that you aren't expecting and it disrupts the rhythm with which you normally experience movies. And that rack focus, while it didn't completely achieve that in my mind, it lent itself to that opportunity. And it's like, oh my God, is this going to be a Michael Myers sits up with his amazing abs while Laurie Strode is in the foreground and we just see him slowly getting up slightly out of focus in the back. It gave me that energy and that hope is really what sold me on the tension in this movie. They did it in such a perfect way though, because what we all expect to happen is that he's messing with it. He's trying to get the right combination. We get that amazing like depth of field effect going on there. We get that rack focus, right? Um, And then what would normally happen is we see him wake up and then he would appear and then stop him. But that's not what we get. The kid gets out. And no, I don't know that anyone was super expecting that to happen. Because at this point, it's like, well, we know the movie's not over. So, like, how does he get him back? And it was brilliant, I think, to any time that you can mess up our expectations in a good way. Like, bravo, that's skill. Because it seems like a shot we've seen in other places where somebody's going to escape and we're watching. We're seeing in the background what's going to happen. And they did it in a beautiful way. And then, oh, nope, they caught him. But no. Just like really, really smart to go the other way and like let the kid get out, have the dog barking and all that kind of stuff. It was, it was honestly really perfect. And then when the kid finally gets out and he's chasing him, I think everyone at that point is just like, you know, run to the side. What are you doing? Run to that house. Like, do, no, it's not, there's not enough time. It was so fast. Yeah, he really had his Scream Queen moment there. He had his moments that we've seen in so many even Halloween films where Laurie is banging on doors asking for help and no one's helping her. Or we have Allison doing that in the 2018 Halloween, but she does get that help. That porch light does come on and someone is there. And capturing that moment here with Finn looking for this help and he's so close and two houses are aware that something weird is going on. Man. It just gives you this closeness to some kind of resolution. And I didn't expect him to get out of the house, period. So at the point when you know, he finally gets out, I'm thinking, oh, I don't remember exactly how long this movie is. Maybe he does get out and there's just like a battle in the streets at this point. I think that moment in that defeat, that being so close and yet so far away, really did wonders for developing and endearing me to Finn. Because for me, the star of the movie was Gwen. 
even though she was a supporting character. But that moment for Finn to have gotten so close and then to fail and get set back, I think he did wonders for his character. He's so he's so interesting as a child or preteen or teen or whatever the heck he is in this movie because he obviously is scared. He obviously is worried that something's going to happen to him, but he goes through these moments where he's like in full acceptance of it. He's like, like freaking out. Like, I'm not going to get out of here. I'm not going to get out. Of here. And then he's like, all right, I'm not going to get out of here. Like, this is, this is it for me. This is just where I, where he's like coming to terms with his situation, like real quick in multiple occasions. He just like accepts it. Like it's game over. There's nothing I can do. And you could say, obviously that's a good thing. You can also say it's a bad thing, but I think it's interesting that he goes through it in waves because even when he gets this additional ghost help, he reaches that point once again where he's like, I've just tried everything. Like, there's nothing that they can do for me and there's nothing that I can do. And then, and this is just how I'm going to go out. And he's like, totally okay with it. What? Well, I think that's because of the differences between him and his sister. You see that his sister takes this pain and he takes this pain as well. And he tries to stand up for her. But you see that his sister clearly has more fight in her than he does. Not that he's weak, not that he's incapable of having that fight, but because he's a more passive person. Maybe he doesn't want to be the person who's just thrown down fists with everybody. Maybe he just doesn't want to fight. And it reminds me almost of Luke and Leia, where you have Luke who's a little bit more of the the pacifist and Leia who's more of the fiery, in-your-face, calling-it-like-it-is kind of person, right? (laughs) But I think about the differences there and the dynamics between siblings, and that's what makes it so interesting. And Finn, I know I I said a moment, right? Like it did wonders to endear me to him. I didn't dislike him. The only moment that I had where I struggled with him was when he was crying after not being able to open the freezer. And not because he was crying. No, it's a reasonable thing. I just wasn't sold on his performance in that very present moment. You make such a great point about his waves of defeat and thinking about how he perceives his success and and is he going to get out of here or not. And I, as you're saying that, it just made me think of when I was in the Navy and I was failing my swim test every day for six weeks and then I failed it. Like there's a point where you have to like float prone for five solid minutes without like dipping. And I got to like four minutes and 50 something seconds. And then some guy kicked my head and I started like choking as as I was like coming up for air and I just failed out right there. And I remember going back to my apartment crying and I felt so defeated and I felt like, oh my God, I'm going to get set back. Oh my God, this is what failure feels like. And I think for this movie to elicit such a response, to show such a response in a character, I think it helps you connect to these very real moments that you've had in your life, even though this is a child in an extreme circumstance that you probably have not gone through. I think that's a really interesting concept. For sure. And they they set them up for this, I think, from the beginning with their father, with the way that he treats them and the two different responses that they have to him. Because like you mentioned, Finn just kind of lets it happen. He knows what the punishment is going to be. He accepts it and he kind of just like gets through it. But Gwen doesn't like, even when she takes the beating is, is still like going to fight back in in any way that she can, as soon as she has a moment to do so where, yeah, it hurts and she's in pain and she's so scared, but then she's like, but F you at the same time, dude, but I will drop your fucking bottle. Right. Oh my God. That moment. I did not like actually stand up and clap. But in my heart, I was standing up on my broken chair clapping for her. Oh, yeah. Because 
their father's obviously gone through it since they lost their mother and he is now operating as a piece of crap towards them and they have to take care of him because he's sick with alcoholism but when he's taking it out on them and i get that he was freaked out that something his daughter said led the police to him as a potential suspect but at the same time he knows that he didn't do it so like don't beat your daughter dude like just be like what on earth did you say um neither here nor there but i think the fact that he like took that on her like that he's just everything is everything has to come out from him and and go towards his kids because Mm -hmm. he's in control of them he's he's in a position of power and he they're the only ones that he can affect in any meaningful way and yeah finn is just kind of like get through it get by survive just do whatever i have to do but i can't avoid it and and gwen is just like ow that hurts F your vodka. I truly don't care about your vodka and your drinking. And I'll do it again if you ask me to. Yeah. And you you bring up such a good point about the father. And I remember having this moment where you have this realization that he is hasn't maybe always been a monster, but that family has been disrupted and has been broken by the loss of their mother. And apparently she took her own life, which is horrifying. And 100% he has succumbed to alcoholism. He is abusing his children. And again, this is at a point in time, right, where people think, was he abusing or was he just disciplining? And like, you have this whole situation where, I don't know, my parents didn't spank me or hit me with a belt, but the wrath of their disappointment felt more, dis- like, felt scarier, mm-hmm. just knowing that they were displeased. But to see how dark of a place he was in, and then to see him at the end, to see this apologetic nature, to see this, oh my God, you know, I just don't want what happened to your mother to happen to you because her dreams weren't real. Mm-hmm. I appreciated the vulnerability that this movie showed there, not to justify or to excuse at all his actions, but to show the complexity of this community, to show the complexity of these circumstances and to hope that maybe things will be a little bit better from here on out you know his daughter has for some reason she has these dreams that lend themselves to truth and reality and and, and hidden things that people don't often see and it's helped to find her brother so perhaps he can let go in some measure of the trauma of what's happened to him with his wife and learn to love and appreciate his children again for just being children as opposed to an outlet for his control i think if this movie continued if we had a part two or maybe like another half an hour i think his attitude would probably change to pride in her abilities and the fact that she was able able to save him because he really wasn't able to do anything but gwen saved finn effectively is what they were showing honestly finn saved finn um but they she led them to all of this through her through her ESP, honestly. I mean, that what an interesting twist. Like, we know that there's ghosts and whatnot happening with the phone, but I was not really expecting Gwen to have any sort of extra sensory powers in any way. And I wasn't sure how I felt about it at first because I've seen it played out before where it's kind of like boring and, and doesn't feel like it's necessary, but it meshed. I think it really meshed well with what was going on in, in Finn's world. I got to talk about the worst part of the movie and only because I have to. Because there actually is not much in this film that I that I dislike. Honestly, the only thing that bothered me was the CGI'd kill. Because everything else going on, even the ghosts, I wasn't bothered by it at all. I think visually the rest of the movie like really worked. 
when we get to that sloppy looking axe through the head, it seemed, it seemed rushed. It seemed like they could have put more work into it. It seemed also unnecessary. This is the kind of movie I think that could have done an off screen kill for Max. I don't think we had to see it on screen. I think the kill itself worked. Like the fact that they took out Max had to happen. The fact that it happened with an axe, really perfect for the grabber to, to use an axe and take out his own brother right in the head. It really worked. But like the way they showed it, it just would have been better not to show it at all. I don't disagree with that, but I'm also not quite as bothered by the axe as you are. I think I just don't expect axe CGI to be stellar ever. So generally when it's done, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Like You'd have to have really shitty blood coming out of the head for me to be truly bothered by it. But then again, remember, I've seen my bloody Valentine in 3D. <laughs> I've seen the horrible CGI mask from H2O. Like I've been around the block with some bad CGI and I think I have just built up a high tolerance for poor CGI. Yeah. For me, the worst part of this movie was Finn's crying. <laughs> again, that's not a toxic masculinity thing. Finn is welcome to cry. Finn's portrayal of crying just didn't hit it for me. But again, and that's like a nitpick thing because so much of this movie is so good. And I have to get really down into the weeds to get down to something that I disliked. And it's really almost like an unfair assessment because it's the smallest tiny little thing that bothered me. But he was actually pretty great in his performance overall. It is nitpicky because we have to. I think if we didn't have to pick a worst part, we wouldn't have. We just, there's honestly no reason. I think this movie reminds me of other movies in a really good way, like Stir of Echoes, Sixth Sense, Fallen. Um, it just like feels like a decent horror thriller and one that back in the day you would obviously own on DVD. As soon as you saw it at Best Buy, you'd be like, yeah, that was worth it. We should get that. I think it has high rewatch value. I think it belongs to a collection of other like horror thrillers. And I think it's one, that I probably would watch again if somebody was like, hey, can we go see that? Because I really want to see it in theater. I'd be like, yeah, let's go. I'll watch it the second time. Why not? Oh, I agree with you. This is one that I definitely plan to watch again. And it's one that I'm absolutely going to recommend to people who are not really into the intense gore and horror of things, but really like a good psychological thriller. Because also Ethan Hawke's performance in this is probably the best I've ever seen him. There's a moment where he says, just to look at you. And it gave me the same chills as because you were home from the strangers. It hit me the same way. And I think there's something to be said about that. And there's also this idea of wanting to rewatch it because there's something that happens in this movie that made me think, is this why kids had to climb ropes in gym class? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I do. Finn can, Finn can barely manage his way up with that cable onto that like metal grate to try to open the window. And I, I, I do wonder, is it because of the stranger danger sensation, right? Is, is this why like, <laughs> yo kids climb up this rope. You're getting up here in case you get trapped in a basement. Yeah. It would have been so much quicker of a movie had he been able to climb up there. Cause he could have like climbed up there, use the grate, smash the glass, run away. Um, presumably, I don't know if the glass is like five inches thick or anything, but that is funny. I, I will say Ethan Hawke. I'm, I'm, I don't describe myself as like a huge Ethan Hawke fan of, for some reason, but. I love a lot of Ethan Hawke movies. One of my favorite movies is Training Day. Like I used to own that on DVD. I probably still have it somewhere. I love Training Day and he's great in it. Dead Poet Society. That's just like a classic modern film. Lord of War. Great movie. Ethan Hawke is in it. Gattaca. One of my favorite sci-fi movies. 
he's in it. There's just a ton of like really good movies that he's a part of. And I think we all can enjoy the purge, whether or not we enjoy like the purge series is a different thing. I, for some reason do, but I think it's kind of cool that he was in the first one. There's just like a, a really good list of things that he's part of. And so I wasn't, I wasn't thrown off when he was in this, but seeing him act like this, like you mentioned, it's not. It's not the same performance that you get from any other Ethan Hawke movie whatsoever. It's really good. Mm-hmm. And I mean, look, the last Ethan Hawke movie I really, really enjoyed, aside from The Purge, was Daybreakers. So Yeah, that was a good movie, though. I'm past due for a good Ethan Hawke experience. Right. He delivered tenfold. <laughs> but feelings about Ethan Hawke aside, folks, there you have it. The Black Phone from 2022, now playing in theaters, has earned a universal slash from at least Mac and I unsurprisingly. Now, we've certainly had a lot to talk about here, but the conversation doesn't end here by any means. we got to hear from the rest of our team and we have to hear from you. We want to know what you think. Were you down for the child performances? Did you also think that Ethan Hawke delivered? Were you tense? Were you scared? Were you terrified on behalf of these children? Please let us know. You can join in on the conversation for free by hanging out with us in our Discord. You can click the link in our show notes to sign up. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, consider becoming one of our patrons. Visit patreon.com slash hacker slash to enjoy more of the show with early access, extended episodes, bonus content, and live shows. We'll see you next time, folks. And remember, don't go upstairs. Nighty night, naughty boy. Mm-hmm.